You're listening to On the Edge, a production of Cleaver Magazine. On the Edge is a virtual poetry reading where authors' voices bring their work to life. This is the final episode in our series featuring artists reading their work from the September 2017 issue of Cleaver. The first author of the episode is Ed Taylor. Ed is the author of the novel Theo, the poetry collection Idiogest, the chapbook The Rubaiyat of Hazmat, and the forthcoming chapbook Cardinal Directions. His prose and poetry appeared most recently in The Literary Quarterly, The Moth UK, and Southern Poetry Review. Here is Ed reading his piece, Still Life with Jin, Falcon, Secret. Still Life with Jen Falcon Secret On the terrace, huddled against sun, the ticking air and hissing in the grass, at the Palazzo Belfry suddenly a peregrine, and the pigeons frozen as only the ice shifts, and a lime drowns at the edge of the world you squint at as if distant, held up in your hand. Rattle that glass now, coward. Call for help. Our second author of the episode is Michael Backus. Michael's fiction and non-fiction have appeared in Digging Through the Fat, Okie Panky, One Story, and Exquisite Corpse, among others. He teaches creative writing for Gotham Writers Workshop and Zotrope, All Story Magazine, and lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Here's Michael reading his piece, Every day with her. Every day with her, New York City, 1982. Speed free for two days now and stuck waiting on the 116th Street A train southbound platform with a hard two train hour down to my job at the Gansvort Meatpacking District. I have this packet I got at the bodega at 113th and Broadway this over-the-counter ephedrine bullshit in its bright blue waterproof packaging. And this is what I'm reduced to, trying to pound two little pills to dust without splitting the plastic, using my fist against the greasy wooden subway bench. And though there are five or six other people waiting, no one is going to say anything to me, not at 3 a.m. at 116th Street, maybe not any time. And finally, I have it powdered, but with nothing to snort with, not even a single dollar bill, just a pocket full of tokens supplied by my girlfriend Kylie the way a parent might pin a child's lunch money to his coat along with a note, I have to lean my head back and pour half down each nostril, snorting as hard as I can, and it's worse than speed, the burning and the small sharp shards that didn't pound cutting into my nose, and soon I have another nosebleed going. And the train still hasn't come. And after this, there's another switch at Columbus and another wait. Then, ten hours of hard work and the whole thing in reverse. And it's got to be the worst. But given all this, it's still better than staying home, waking up to her and all that goes with her. Hey, you, I yell at a man in a suit who's picking his nose, talking to himself in that way people do here. And his suit looks clean enough for most offices, but when he turns, he's got a fresh gash under his eye, and he's bled all over his tie and white shirt. You, I say again, with no clear reason why. This is not how people act in the city. This is not me. But I feel cut loose down here, adrift. I understand what it is that drives people to write books and films set in some grubby future where the whole human race is reduced to living in the remnants of a city's transit system. 
It's the same thing that used to move me to pray every night for some overwhelming catastrophe, something close to the end of the world, because I knew that was the one place Kylie and I could be together, free from all the petty bullshit that got in the way. A new world, our world, where the only worry was survival and the only joy each other. For six months I prayed, my brain spinning, my teeth ground to stubs, until she came back, but back changed somehow, like a familiar room in which all the furniture and all the pictures on the wall have been mysteriously moved a few inches left, just enough to put the thought in your head. You know what I hate about you, she says, and I can sense her special brand of foreplay coming. The way you look at the shit on the paper when you wipe your ass, I hate that. What, I say? What? In response, she buries her teeth deeper into my neck, drawing blood. And I push her legs so far above her that her head and heels bang against the wall at the same time. So hard we both forget everything but the doing and the coming release. In that instant, I understand the serial killer who talks about the voices stopping for one long, exquisite moment as he rips the life out of some poor creature. I think she does too. The third author of the episode is Nance Van Winkle. Nance is the author of eight books of poetry, most recently Our Foreigner, winner of the Pacific Coast Poetry Series Prize. She's also published five books of fiction, including Ever Yours. She teaches in the MFA program at Eastern Washington University and Vermont College of Fine Arts. Here is Nance reading her pieces, making it to vast old age, so what? And first, we must put on our brows. Making it to vast old age, so what? I dress my cat in a baby bonnet, then feel the infusion of his disdain for all that is insipidly human and most alive in a frilly disguise. Through the clear yellow eyes of underworld lamps, he looks inside me for who I will be when dead. Will he want to eat me? I untie his ribbons and lie down on my belly so he can climb upon my butt and survey the enormity of his ridiculous kingdom. First, we must put on our brows, my mother says, but she waves away the pencil I hand her. She likes a black ballpoint or the mascara. Mascaras for lashes, I tell her. Lashes, brows, slashes, who cares? I like this taupe color, I say, offering the pencil again. She peers at its point. That's gray, honey. I'm her 65-year-old daughter, but barely 16 in her mind, until she turns from the mirror and sees me. You're my sister, right? I pause, assessing her face for a good answer. Giving up, I try the pencil myself, easing my brow into a little arc of, say what? Forgetting her question, an old woman tugs twice at my sleeve. Hey, could I use that thing when you're done? Our final author of the episode is Leonard Kress. 
Leonard has published fiction and poetry in the Missouri Review, Massachusetts Review, the Iowa Review, American Poetry Review, and the Harvard Review, among others. His recent collections are The Orpheus Complex, Thirteens, and Walk Like Bo Diddley. He teaches philosophy and religion at Owens College in Ohio, and edits creative nonfiction for the Artful Dodge. Here's Leonard reading his piece, Foxholes. Foxholes. My father never served in the war. Something about his organic chem degree from Columbia that qualified him for telecommunications work vital to the war effort. He never had to leave his wife or his Upper West Side apartment in order to crack the enemy's DNA code. Or was it headphones emitting alien rays? His suspicious neighbors, suspecting draft dodging, were always ringing up the FBI to ask why he was exempt. I was suspicious, too, a decade later. You'd think it would have been enough for me in the age of Sputnik and space-bound chimps, but it wasn't. Not compared to my friend's fathers, one whose helmet worn through years of constant battle led to painful scalp rashes, and one whose arm withered from that hand grenade that exploded upon launch. I pictured him yanking the pin between his teeth and the tropical parasites nightly drowned in shots of seagrams, which actually might have been one of my father's secret projects, or was he involved in top-secret orders transmitted through ocean currents. It only mattered that he remained in the outer precincts of battle and glory, no tales of Korean or Filipino wars with razor blades, Gillette double-edged, placed inside their cunts to slice and shred. The blades must have been dulled by the time their fathers came seeking relief from the deadly ravages of battle, or else their sons wouldn't be here now, slaughtering nips and crops left and right, dying to take the hill, then easing down into hastily dug and way too shallow foxholes. that, we conclude our four-part series, highlighting artists published in Cleaver's September 2017 issue. A big thank you to Ed, Michael, Nance, and Leonard, and to everyone that contributed to On the Edge this issue. A reminder that you can read their work along with the entire September issue at cleavermagazine.com. On the Edge is a production of Cleaver Magazine. More virtual poetry readings can be found at our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash on underscore the underscore edge. On the Edge was produced by Ryan Evans. Original music created by Troy Bowman, a.k.a. Nautilus on SoundCloud. More episodes of On the Edge, including new life as activism pieces, will be out soon. But until then, thank you for listening.